business and buckets. We are live, episode 84. That's right, episode 84. Out here doing the damn thing. Uh, you know, been over a year in here, talking sports, breaking it down, giving you my takes. And uh, it's kind of a unique week as we actually have a week off of UFC. But doesn't mean we're not going to talk UFC because we got to break down what happened and somewhat of a controversial card overall on the fight night card this past weekend. We got playoffs, playoffs, and more playoffs. Uh, representing the Angels a little bit with a, a new Angels hat. They're they're red hot. We're going to talk some baseball, some you know some matchups that matter, a little bit of NFL headlines. You already know the deal. But before we talk sports, let's talk the one and only sponsor here at Business and Buckets, and that is Fueled Supplements. I mean, fellas. Performance is on top of the list in all categories of our lives. That's why you need counterattack from Fueled Supplements. This is their advanced cycle and post-cycle standalone formula, and it is much more than your average testosterone booster. Counterattack combats estrogen production, supports liver, kidney, and heart health, as well as boosts sex drive, energy levels, and lean muscle mass. Let's face it, we all want to feel like a young, energized version of ourselves Increase vitality inside and outside the gym with counterattack. The misses will thank y'all for it. Now, don't wait. Um, don't go to you know GNC when you're going to your supplements. Don't go to those big corporate companies. Go to fueledsupplements.com and save some money while you're shopping. Use my promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. That's B-U-C-K-E-T-S. Love me some fueled supplements. I'm in the midst of... Uh, Losing some weight, you know, I, I need to lose some weight. I need to feel better. I'm moving to Arizona this winter. Want to look good, feel good, do good. Uh, this winter kind of kicked my ass. So I got a little little stack of the fueled stack set up, some fueled greens. I got some daily multi. I have a thermogenic uh, fat burner. I, I use protein. I have pre-workout. And I got some uh, recovery formula as well. So check them out. I even use their Knocked Up to get some better sleep. Help me recover better. So, enough about field supplements. Let's talk sports. We're going to start off with some uh, fights that have been announced. Um, not a not a big slate as there's been a ton of summer fights already been announced. But we have Ultimate Fighter bantamweight winner Ricky Tercios taking on Ayman Zahabi. Um, Ricky, tricky Ricky, man. Uh, he was a fun character to watch in the Ultimate Fighter. A lot better than what I've seen from this season, that's for sure so far. Uh, but he's taking on Eamon Zahabi. We'll be keeping track on uh, Tricky Ricky's UFC career, that is for sure. We have the Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez rematch official happening at UFC 277. Almost got put on 276. I would have saw the first and the rematch. That would have been intriguing. Uh, still one of the craziest things I've seen was Pena beating Nunez. The, the, you know, the arena T-Mobile sold out crowd fucking shocked. That was great. I uh, assume Nunez is going to take care of business here, but we'll talk about that at a later date. Uh, Charles Jordan and Shane Burgos supposedly getting added to the UFC 276 card. This is not finalized. This is hypothetical rumors, but God damn, if this got added to that 276 card, I'll be in Vegas in a little more than a month uh, for my 30th for this card. And that would be a brawl. I mean, there's already a stacked main event. These guys wouldn't even be on the main card. This would be probably a prelim headliner. Charles Jordan looking good. Shane Burgos been in wars. So 
you know, we'll definitely touch base when that's finalized because that would be fucking phenomenal. Uh, Mark DeCasey taking on Demir Hadzovic in the London card. Mark DeCasey, the now wrestling Mark DeCasey. Uh, we'll see what he does in his next fight as he tries to com- uh, continue to move up the rankings. Other than that, this past weekend in the MMA world, we had Eagle FC. I believe it was 47. And there was two main fights that I cared about that we will talk. And it had a lot of UFC veterans in action. The first, fi- or the first fight that I cared about was Hector Lombard taking on Tiago Silva. Yeah, Lombard back in action taking on Silva. You would have never thought that would be written down. Uh, but that was ruled a no contest after an accidental foul. Typical fucking shit. Um, you know, these vets, you want to see them, see what they can do. Accidental, no contest. The, the fight's over. So then you're hyped up. You got JDS taking on Jorgen DeCastro. You know, JDS, a bad motherfucker, UFC champion over and over. Well, he injures his shoulder in the third. You know, it looks like he was clearly winning the first two rounds. Jorgen DeCastro has talked about a potential rematch, but uh, what a snooze fest there. So um, I'm sure Khabib's not too happy about that. Elsewhere um, in the boxing world, there was finally the exhibition, the Mayweather exhibition and Anderson Silva exhibition card. So it's supposed to happen in Abu Dhabi twice on a helipad. Didn't happen. Well, in the fight, Mayweather easily wins. Although it wasn't on the helipad and wasn't as dramatic, he was commentating. He was throwing in uh, some nasty combinations and looking good. And Anderson Silva t- uh, TKO'd Machado in the fifth round. You know, the the older UFC veteran looking sharp, looking good. Everyone's calling for him versus Logan Paul uh, or Jake Paul. That would be quite interesting. Um, also in the boxing world, Canelo versus Triple G officially rebooked the trilogy on September 17th. That's going to be fucking awesome. Uh, the first bout in a draw, Canelo unanimous decision in the second bout. You know, I'm still taking the Canelo train. You know, how brilliant is Canelo's team? We take the loss trying to make the big jump up. Let's put a, a trilogy fight against Triple G to end that. Uh, keep the momentum going on the Canelo train. And then this Saturday, Gervonta Davis fights one of the bigger names in boxing. If you're a boxing fan, highly recommend checking that out on Saturday. Now let's talk fight night. So this past week, the Holly Holm headlined card. I went six and three in picks. And I feel like it should be a lot better as there was some very controversial fights on this card. Some fights that we did not break down last week that uh, fighters had some impressive performances. And a lot of the time I don't talk about these fighters because it's like, ah, this is very lopsided or I'm pretty confident the fighter's going to win. They're, they're, they're fighting nobody I've heard of before or it's just people that I haven't heard of. So, uh, Sam Hughes with a nice win. I expected her to win as well as uh, Jolton Almeida as he fought Parker Porter. Tabitha Ricci looking real nice in the octagon um, all over. I mean, take that as you want. She was just looking good in there. Um, and Joseph Holmes with a nice victory as well. But we're going to start in the prelims as Enumclaw, Washington's finest 22-year-old Chase Hooper with a third-round TKO non-submission finish over Felipe Colares. And man, did Chase really learn how to use his length and size to his advantage after this layoff. Not saying that he hasn't really used his length to his advantage, but in this fight, clearly leveraging what he has as an advantage. He utilized his leverage and distance in this fight. 
and really has matured since we last saw him in the octagon. Supposedly, he had a fight booked, but it was too close to his wedding because he's getting married. He tried to get rebooked, but it was about a year off, 11 months off, and he looked great. I mean, he was in some wild scrambles and overcommitted into some situations that led to some reversals. But other than that, looked very sharp. I was highly impressed. Uh, the way he allowed his ground game and ground and pound to open up submission attempts, beautiful, well done. Um, you know, before I moved to Arizona, would love to potentially have Chase tell his story as such a young stud, um, you know, based here in Washington on the business side of the podcast. Um, so, you know, stay tuned for a future opportunity there. Statistically, Chase landed 140 total and 60 significant strikes with four takedowns, three submission attempts and five reversals. Uh, there was a lot of wild uh, 50-50 positions. Um, Chase would just pull his you know, his legs up, pull Felipe down to be able to get into that reversal situation. Felipe landed 43 total and 21 significant strikes with two takedowns and three reversals. So now Chase is on us. Uh, he starts a new winning streak. He's 3-2 and two in the UFC since he's come up. Felipe is now on a two-fight losing streak, so fighters going in different trajectories here. So what's next for Chase? I could see Ladovic, Clean, uh, Klein, somebody who's up in the rankings but not too high of a jump. You know, he's already gone way up there against Alex Caceres, which was pretty bonkers. Um, so just keep that positive train going. And Felipe could take on Tristan Connolly. Also in the prelims, a... Uh, Quite a hot fighter in the bantamweight. Jonathan Martinez with a unanimous decision over Vince Morales. And Jonathan looked great here. You know, he's extending his winning streak. He continues to climb and, you know, in my mind, it goes lightweight, then bantamweight for depth and talent. But he's climbing up in a very deep division. You know, besides the TKO that he had, I think he would be on like an eight-fight winning streak. He mixed in a little bit of everything in this fight. And when we look at the stats, he had 88 total and significant strikes with two takedowns compared to Vince's 62 total and 51 significant strikes with a reversal. So Jonathan is now on a three-fight winning streak, while Vince has his two-fight winning streak come to an end and he starts a new losing streak. Jonathan versus Julio Arce or Brian Kelleher, I think those would be fun fucking fights. Um, and for Vince, how about Khalid Taha? That makes sense to me. Moving on into the main card, and there was some pretty close bouts in here. I mean, looking at it, we talked about the Park-Anders match being close, uh, the Pieta-Santiago-Ponzinibbio uh, fight being close, and there was a lot of controversy, even potentially in this fight, as Jun Young Park, the Iron Turtle, uh, had a split decision over Eric Anders, the ex-Alabama football player. And there's just a lot of bad judging that night. There's still people talking about it with no UFC card happening this weekend. I'm sure it'll still be talked about it on the MMA hour. Um, it, it's been talked about a lot, so it, it's not going to go anywhere for, for real MMA fans. Um, this fight was very close, though. I'm not mad at the split decision going to Park's, uh, on, to Park's side, although I had picked Anders. Uh, glad I didn't have time to put a parlay in this weekend because this would have busted it. But I believe Park won rounds one and three. You know, this was a very back-and-forth affair. Eric was able to take advantage of pressure. He was always coming forward, controlling the center of the octagon. He did get some takedowns and land some heavier shots, in my opinion. But Park just had higher volume. Uh, statistically, you know, this backs it up. Park had 108 total and 105 significant strikes with the reversal 
compared to Eric's 75 total and 65 significant with three takedowns. So Park now, he's on a new winning streak and is 4-1 and one in his last five fights. Very impressive. Eric is now on a skid of a two-fight losing streak. I would love to see Eric take on Alessio de Chirico. That would be a fun one. And for Park, how about Wellington Terman, who's been hot of late as well? That would be a great matchup in the middleweight division. And what a showing by Chidi Noquani, the first round t- uh, knockout over Dusko Todorovic. And this was just an epic, epic, huge elbow from Chidi that just clearly shut the lights off. I mean, it was one of those where he stepped into it, landed on the temple, and it was night-night for Dusko, which is terrible because I've really enjoyed him. I'm in his brief stint in the UFC and thinks I think he's got a lot of potential. Uh, but this one didn't last very long. You know, Dusko clearly wanted to try to take down uh, Chidi. That wasn't really happening. So uh, Chidi was just cleaning him with his, using his length to his advantage, outstriking him, picking him apart. The stats, it only took Chidi 19 total and 14 significant strikes with that knockdown and a submission attempt compared to Dusko's nine total, five significant strikes and only had two takedowns and seven attempts. But Chidi was able to get up pretty quickly. Now, Chidi's on a very impressive four-fight winning streak and is 3-0 since coming to the UFC. Dusko starts a new losing streak and is 3-3 in the UFC. So what's next for these fighters? Well, I'd like to see Chidi take on Anthony Hernandez. That would be must-see. And for Dusko, how about Roman Kopilov? These two fighters trying to end their streaks, get back into the positive momentum. But how about this co-main? I knew this fight would deliver. Once this was booked, I was super hyped. But Michelle Pieta with a split decision over Santiago Ponzanibio. You know, I had picked uh, Anders, got that wrong. I picked Chidi, got that right. And picked Santiago here, got that wrong. Now, this fight lived up to to the expectations. It was, uh, again, another back-and-forth affair. Michelle came out pretty hot in round one, as he normally does. No crazy cartwheels, backflip kicks, or anything of that nature, but was landing some big-time shots and clearly had uh, looked like the bigger fighter here. He he cut a lot of weight. He looked massive compared to Santiago. Um, but as expected, he started gassing out in the second and third rounds after all the high volume and output that he had. And, you know, Santiago's a tough son of a bitch. He was taking those big shots from Michelle early, but was able to bring the fight to Michelle as the fight wore on. Typical Ponzanibio style. And I was a little surprised that Ponzanibio didn't look to wrestle and grind out Michelle. Uh, he got one towards the very end of the second round. But as he saw him gassing out early in the second round, maybe early in the third round, go right back to that. Um, but, uh, you know, in, uh, in this fight, it was impressive that Michelle was able to stick to the game plan, not do too much to totally gas himself out. And it looks like he's past the point of the viral craziness and unorthodox style uh, that made him, you know, kind of who he is as he gets up with the big dogs in the middleweight division or welterweight division. Um, I thought Santiago won this fight. It was so close. I'm not surprised Michelle won. I mean, Santiago really needed one more takedown in the third. I would have gave Santiago the win getting rounds two and three in this fight personally. Um, he controlled the octagon in round three. You got to give him some credit there. He outstruck him, landed the bigger shots. And in round two, clearly won. Michelle re- clearly re- won round one. 
Um, so, you know, not very happy with this decision, but um, it, this looks like nothing compared to the next fight we'll talk about. When you look at the stats, Michelle landed 110 uh, total and significant strikes compared to Santiago's 106 and 105 significant with that takedown. And Michelle, he is now on a five-fight winning streak. He is 6-2 and two in the UFC. He moves into the rankings now at number 14. Very impressive. Obviously, Santiago uh, is now in the midst of a two-fight losing streak after the Jeff Neal fight as well. And he drops out of the rankings to uh, out of the top 15. What's next? I mean, I think another step up is, ready, is what we are going to expect with Michelle. I think he could take on Michael Chiesa. Um, and Santiago could take on Daniel Rodriguez or Nico Price. Either way, these guys are fighting. You should tune in, check it out, because um, I haven't seen a bad fight amongst these guys. And then the main event, man. What the actual fuck? Uh, Ketlin Vieira with a split decision over Holly Holm. Now, there was fights on this card that were pretty close, right? The honors fight, you could have given it each way. Santiago fight, could have given it each way. I watched the Santiago fight twice. That's how close it was. First time, thought Santiago won. Second time, I, I did as well. Um, you never know what these judges, I mean, it's technically supposed to be round by round. If you look at, you know, the bigger moments, yeah, Pierre might have had it. But clearly Santiago rounds two and three. So that's, you know, what, what Gartner's the win. But none of them were highway robbery like we had witnessed in the main event. Uh, and this is just, you know, this is out of control. Um, Holly was in control most of the fight. She was the aggressor, had Ketlin up against the cage, landed more total and significant strikes. And for the, the sport, I mean, this is ridiculous for home. You know, she's a veteran of the sport. She's one of the most prized woman fighters in UFC history. She's a Hall of Famer. And she's done so much for the sport. She's now at 40 years old and has to, you know, deal with this. I mean, it just goes to show you really don't want it to go to the judges if you're a fighter because you never know what the fuck is going to happen. But this is just, this ruins thing. You know, the only thing that I could think about if I look back at this and or you ask me about this this card in a week, how shitty this was and that the card was trash, you almost forget about the Ponzinibbio fight and how good that was. It's just a total bummer. We, we look at the stats. This tells a good story. Holly landed 188 total strikes, 96 of those significant, compared to Ketlin's 122 and 85 significant. She also had a takedown and submission attempt. Now, Ketlin is on a two-fight winning streak, while Holly starts a new losing streak, and she drops one spot to number three in the rankings. You know, Ketlin, I think, uh, you know, post-fight, she talked about getting a, a, a title shot and waiting for the Nunez-Pena rematch. I don't agree. I think she should fight Raquel Pennington as she moved up three spots in the rankings to number two. Pennington's on a winning streak as well. I don't think there's a clearly defined, you know, number one contender, especially after a a fight that she really lost. I mean, let's be honest. Meanwhile, Holly, you know, we need to give her big time fights. She's, you know, not a spring chicken anymore. I think the rematch of Misha Tate would be fucking awesome if Misha Tate wins her next fight against Lauren Murphy. And if not, how about give her Yana Kunskaya? She's looked good. She's, uh, you know, on her way up in the rankings. Either of those fights would be fun, must-see, and probably want to go to a judge's decision. But this weekend, no fights. It's Memorial Day weekend, holiday weekend. I'm in Seattle. Traffic is a fucking shit show. They have the main highway here down to one or two lanes. 
Uh, don't know, probably won't be getting into too much, but if you guys are traveling, enjoy the, the weekend off. Um, the next weekend, starting June, we have a fight night card with an earlier start. It's a 1 p.m. Pacific start, headlined by Alexander Volkov and Jarzinho Rosenstrike. What a fight that'll be. And that sets us up for 275 the, the following weekend. June will be hot with UFC action. It is kind of weird not having a Saturday without fights, so that's for sure. And as we get further into playoff season, playoffs, uh, there's not a lot of action. There's not multiple NBA games, multiple hockey games. It's starting to dwindle down, which means it's summertime, which as a sports fan means I am going to be looking at NFL offseason and UFC and baseball. Um, we're dwindling. And as we're dwindling, I am going to pressure myself to move to permanent MMA uh, on the sports side, we'll rebrand with a new name. Um, stay tuned. I got to put some work in, but that'll be happening sooner than later. But let's talk NBA. <clears throat> they announced the all-NBA defense team. I don't think there's too much of a shocker here, but Mikel Bridges, Marcus Smart, the DPOY, Rudy Gobert, who is the DPOY in my book, uh, Giannis, the Greek Freak, and Jaron Jackson Jr. are the, the, the five. Um, but it's crazy that... Uh, it's really crazy to me that uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. is in there. I, I, that was probably the biggest surprise for me. Um, but they also announced the All-NBA First Team. I have it here on my phone. Let me pull it up. First Team is Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, uh, Luka Doncic, Devin Booker, and Jason Tatum. The second team was Joel Embiid, John Morant, Steph Curry, KD, and DeMar DeRozan. And then third team was Cat, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Trey Young, and Pascal Siakam. I was a little surprised to see Pascal Siakam as the third team, um, but I don't think there was you know a ton of shockers there. And then announced by the NBA, the Pistons and Bulls are going to play a regular season game in Paris, Paris in 2023. So... Lots of international things happening, not only in the NFL, but NBA, MLB, a little bit of everywhere. But let's pick up where we left off in episode 83, and that happened to be game two in the Celtics Heat series. Game one, Miami taking care of business. Well, game two in Miami or in Boston was the Celtics taking care of business, 127 to 102. This was in Miami, not Boston. Um, and really it was Jason Tatum leading the way. You can't be too surprised. He had 27 points, four of six from three on 13 shots. Nice, efficient game pitched in five rebounds, five assists. And then Marcus smart with 24 and 12 and Jalen Brown, 24 and eight as well. Marcus smart didn't play game one. He was a huge addition to Boston in game two for Miami. They were still without Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry had not made an appearance here, uh, in the series at this point. But Jimmy but Butler, Jimmy motherfucking Buckets, still hooping, 29-6 and six, uh, on 18 shots. But the rest of the team really didn't help out. Miami only shot 29% from three, while, Miami sh or, while Boston shot 50% from deep. Kind of an interesting series how one team demolishes the other. And they're playing in back-to-back -back days because of the play-in. There's no multiple days of rest. You can see these teams, the players, are battling injuries, especially in the Eastern Conference. 
Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry. I mean, the list goes on. Uh, P.J. Tucker in and out of the lineup. But on Friday, we had Game 2, Mavs-Warriors. I expected this to be a five-six five, game series, but I expected that last time, and Dallas ended up beating the Suns. Well, the Warriors made it make it seem like that's going to happen as they won 126-117 to take the 2-0 home lead. And it was uh, all Steph Curry here, 32 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists on 21 shots, 6 of 10 from 3. Jordan Poole pitched in a nice game off the bench, 23 points. And um, Kevin Looney, of all people, 21-12, and 12, nice little game for him. The Warriors shoot 50% from 3. And the Mavericks battled here. Luka Doncic tried his damnedest. He did uh, 42 points, 5 rebounds, 8 assists on 23 shots. He was 5 of 10 from 3. And and, and Dallas shot pretty well from 3 as well. They shot 46%. Uh, Reggie Bullock was 6 of 10 for 21 points. Uh, Darrell Finney-Smith was 3 of 6 for 10 points. Um, Jalen Brunson, 5 of 7 for 31 points. Villanova, Nova Nation, baby. Um, and then uh, the bench didn't help out very much, but neither team very highly regarded on the defensive side. But it looks like Warriors are going to handle business. That's easy to say, you know, let's see what happens when Dallas is, is at home if that's the same case. Well, Miami goes on the road. First game, first game in Boston, and they take care of business 109 to 103. Love to see it. Uh, Miami was led by Bam Adebayo. Did not have the best start of the series. Well, this this game, he really started taking over as Jimmy left the game with a knee injury. Uh, Jimmy Butler, who only had eight points on eight shots and 20 minutes in the game. Well, Bam had 31, 10, and 6. You know, this game was pretty lopsided. Boston made a run towards the end after Jimmy went out. And it was really the Bam show. No one else really impressed. They only shot 33% from three. Boston only shot 37 but they were led by Jalen Brown, who had 40 points, 9 rebounds on 20 shots. Great game from him. Jason Tatum only with 10 points on 14 shots, 1 of 7 from 3. This is why I never thought he was an elite superstar, a guy that you, you mold your team around. This series really changed my mind, but he still has these games here and there. But Miami, got to give them credit. They play great defense, and that really stepped up for them. So game 3, can Dallas change the course at home? Absolutely not. The Warriors win 109 to 100. This was on Sunday. And they were led by Steph Curry again, who had 31 points, 11 assists on 20 shots, 5 of 10 from 3. Pretty good game for him. And Andrew Wiggins played uh, a big part as well 27 points, 11 rebounds on 20 shots. He was only 1 of 5 from 3. The Warriors shooting a pretty low 34% from 3. But they held the Mavericks to 28% from three. That's why they barely broke 100 points. And it was all Luka, right? 40 points, 11 rebounds on 23 shots, four of nine from three. What the hell can't this young stud do? I think he's the future of the NBA, the face of the league. And then Spencer Dinwiddie having a nice game off the bench, 26 points, 13 shots. He was four of 10 from three. The Warriors are cruising their way to the finals. Well, let's see if the Celtics can... Avoid going down 3-1 at home. They tie it up 2-2, and this game was pretty ugly the whole way. Um, Kyle Lowry back in the lineup. Jimmy Butler playing minimal minutes, um, but everyone's kind of battling injuries. P.J. Tucker's back after a, a brutal game. But all five starters for Miami under double-digit points. They were led by Victor Aladipo, 
mostly because he played 30 minutes, you know, in a lopsided affair. He had 23 and six. Duncan Robinson, 14 points, four of eight from three. That'll be interesting to see if he could break more time in the lineup or, you know, if his Miami days are pretty much done, even though he got that nice contract. The Celtics were led by Jason Tatum. He had a bounce back game, uh, 31 points, eight rebounds, five assists. And that was on 16 shots. That's an efficient game, although he was one of seven from three, which is a shocker. You don't see Boston shoot 23% from three that much and, and win in blowout fashion. Miami even shot uh, 38, almost 39%. But most of those you know points are from the bench players. Uh, but Tatum you know, found what he could after battling a knee injury and, and gave it all he had. These guys are fighting with heart, determination, grit. That's what the NBA playoffs are. Once the calendar turns... June, you know, the people's bodies are hurting. Well, the Mavericks do not let the uh, Warriors sweep them. They win 119 to 109, and they're ahead most of the game pretty heavily. Luka Doncic didn't do 40 plus. He only did 30 points, 14 rebounds, nine assists, one assist shy of the triple-double. And it wasn't the most efficient game for him on 26 shots. He was three of 11 from three, but a lot of other players stepped up. Uh, DFS, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, 23 and six, Reggie Bullock, 18 points, six of 10 from three, Jalen Brunson, 15 points, uh, Maxi Kleba, 13 and eight off the bench, Spencer Dinwiddie with 10. The Warriors were led by, um, Steph Curry, but only had 20 points on 16 shots. Um, nobody had more than 15 besides Jonathan Kuminga off the bench, 17 and eight, much like. Um, Duncan Robinson will be interesting to see if he could get some more minutes come, you know, finals time or they're up three, one. So maybe he gets some time. Who knows? Um, but that was yesterday, Tuesday, today it's Wednesday. It's noon where I'm at super pumped for this Miami heat game series tied two two headed to Miami. Boston is a two and a half point favorite as, uh, Miami is battling more injuries. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes down. And then Thursday, the Warriors look to wrap things up at home. Um, tonight's game on ESPN, that game on Thursday on TNT, and the Warriors are favored by seven points as Vegas thinks they'll wrap it up easily. But let's talk more playoffs, but this time on the ice. Um, we talked about how wild the first few rounds are in hockey, and every game seems like it's a battle. You get overtimes, you get seven-game series, a little bit more different than the NBA playoffs. You know, my Jazz exited early, so you could uh, maybe say my decision's based off that. But this playoff hasn't been, I don't know. I mean, the Warriors are up 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals. The Eastern games have been phenomenal, but n neither team's at, you know, fully healthy. I just don't feel like there's the that great storyline in the NBA this year. Whereas in hockey, you know, again, my team is favored to win it. That There could be some biasy there. But playoff hockey always delivers. It doesn't matter who, when, where. Every team has a chance. There's underdogs winning. The series go to a battle. The games get more physical. You get, you know, five on three power plays, things like that. It's a lot of fun. So let's pick up where we left off on Thursday, talking about the second round. And uh, Tampa Bay, you know, big win in Florida. The number one team in hockey, the best record. And this is a team that is a championship pedigree. It's much like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the with Tom Brady. They've won two championships of late. They've been there three times. Nobody wants to see this team. And, you know, Florida just, ha you know, that's the situation at hand. Well, Tampa Bay wins a close one, 2-1 to one, to take a 2-0 lead on the road. 
which is just terrible news for Florida. And uh, Florida outshot them on goal by eight. Um, they won more faceoffs. They had more hits. Statistically, they did what they needed to. But Corey Perry scored his fourth goal via power play of the playoffs in the first. And Ross Colton with the game-winning goal, his fifth of the playoffs. And it was 2-1. Florida could not get their offense going. Tampa Bay's goalie has played amazing. Um, Vasesky. So it'll be interesting to see if Florida could change the script. Well, in the Blues Avalanche game, uh, the Blues end up taking game two, four to one, but they lose their goalie um, to injury. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays off in the series. But how about David Perron? I mean, the same amount of shots, 32 St. Louis, 31 Colorado. St. Louis won 13 more uh, faceoffs. But Perron cannot be stopped. He scored his sixth playoff goal via power play in the second period and scored his seventh in the third to take the lead. Jordan Kyrow of St. Louis gets his fifth playoff goal in the, the, the second. And Gabriel Landeskog scored his fourth playoff goal via power play in the third. But this series is going to be interesting. St. Louis, another team with a lot of playoff experience, good goalkeeping, but now they uh, Bennington gets hurt. We'll see what happens. That series gets interesting as it's 1-1 headed to St. Louis. On the other side of the bracket, Carolina takes a 2-0 commanding series lead at home. You know, you got to take care of home ice. Uh, they went 2-0. The shots and, and faceoffs are pretty similar. Uh, Sebastian Aho with his third or fourth playoff goal in the third period as Carolina wins 2-0. And this series has been bonkers. The Battle of Alberta, Calgary, Edmonton. A lot of people picking Calgary. I gave you guys my pick of Edmonton. Um, they just have too many superstars. It's hard to hold them back, especially come playoff time, with a Stanley Cup on their mind. Well, both teams shot pretty even here. Calgary doubled the amount of faceoff wins, 21-42. to And it wasn't enough as Edmonton wins 5-3. to and how about Connor McDavid getting a sixth playoff goal in the second period? Zach Hyman with his fifth in the third. And Leon Drossetil uh, with his seventh playoff goal in the third period. Bad news for Calgary. Series is tied 1-1 heading to Edmonton. Well, on Saturday, the Avalanche beat the Blues 5-2. Let's fucking go to get a 2-1 lead on the road. Um, Kemper looking good. Coming back in action since getting poked in the eye. Um, but the St. Louis uh, lack of starting goalkeeper may have played an, a, a dividend here. St. Louis actually outshot the Avalanche, which not a lot of teams do, even in the playoffs, 31-27. to So it was only by four. Um, but Arthur Lenikin with his third playoff goal in the second. Nazim Kadri with his second in the second as well. Ryan O'Reilly uh, uh, tried to keep it even or close 3-2 to two in the second with a seventh playoff goal. But Gabriel Landeskog gets another one in the third, as well as Arturi Lenikin. Uh, Landeskog's fifth playoff goal. Lenikin's fourth playoff goal. Go, Avs, go. Which set us up for Sunday, a three-game slate. And again, we're talking about first game in Tampa. They still the two games on the road. And they easily win game three to take an amazing 3-0 lead. Nobody wants to fuck with the Lightning. Um... Shots were pretty even. Florida had six more faceoff wins. Uh, Corey Perry scored his fifth playoff goal in the first to break it open. Um, Kucherov gets his fourth playoff goal in the third, and Steven Samkos with his fourth as well. They take a commanding 3-0 lead after a 5-1 victory. 
The Rangers don't let Carolina blow it open as they get their first win in Madison Square Garden, three to one. Uh, Carolina did outshoot the Rangers, but the Rangers stuck, uh, played tough. Uh, great goalie play. Uh, Mika Zabajad got his fourth playoff goal in the first to break it open via power play. Chris Kreider for the Rangers gets his sixth playoff goal in the second. And Nino Neardrider got his fourth playoff goal in the second as well. Huge win for the Rangers, making things interesting. Speaking of making things interesting, Edmonton takes a lead at home 4-1. to one. Edmonton's just looking a lot more high-powered offensively. Calgary has good goal play, uh, but they're not doing a lot offensively. Uh, Edmonton has eight more goal or eight more shots on goal. Calgary had five more face-off wins, but this game got blown open to a 4-0 lead until Oliver Keelington get his first playoff goal in the third to, to uh, avoid a shutout. Zach Hyman with his sixth playoff goal. Evander Kane with the fucking hat trick. Hats off to you, uh, stud. His eighth, ninth, and tenth playoff goals all in the second period. Have a day, sir. What an, what a performance. I'm sure Edmonton is going bonkers. You could see the fans. You could see the energy in those arenas. Shit is wild. Would love to be there and just be a part of it. Gives me the chills. And starting off on Monday, Florida's like, okay, we got to change some things. They they play a tight game at 0-0 going into the third um, of a 3-0 lead. And Tampa Bay breaks it open. Pat Moran and um, Andrej Palat with his fourth playoff goal. Tampa Bay sweeps the best record team in hockey. The Florida Panthers, a 58-win team, uh, 2-0. I think hockey fans are in disbelief. And nobody wants to fuck with Tampa again. They look like they're on their way for another Stanley Cup. Meanwhile, the Avalanche, the other favorite on the opposite side of the bracket, beats the Blues 6-3 without their starting goalie. And the Blues have history with Kadri. Kadri's had suspension issues. You know, it, it was almost a situation, do we keep Kadri on the team? Is he going to be a focal part of a Stanley Cup push? Well, Colorado in this game outshoots St. Louis by 17. The fans, all series in St. Louis, every time Kadri touches the puck, gets booed. And St. Louis feels good. David Perron gets a quick goal in the first, his eighth playoff goal. This man's on fire. But in the second, Nazem Kadri gets his third playoff goal to go up 2-1. Devin Towes gets his fourth. Nazem Kadri gets another one in the second for his fourth playoff goal. But David Prawn says, not so fast. We're going to keep this close. He got his ninth playoff goal via power play to get it 4-2. But Nazem Kadri shuts the lights out in a one-point uh, one, uh, advantage. He gets his fifth playoff goal in the third. Um, you know, he loves playing the Devils advocate here, he, the, the, the bad guy in this situation. But for Avs fans, you love to see it. Every time he gets cross-checked, David Prawn got fined. Every time he gets hit, you know, he doesn't retaliate. He doesn't do anything too crazy. He's already got two strikes, the third strike. You're, you're in a tough situation. So great news for Avalanche fans. They're up 3-1. Not quite the beauty sweep that Tampa Bay has gotten, uh, but the Blues are a tough team. Heading on to yesterday, Tuesday, you know, Carolina is looking pretty good throughout the series. They're up 2-0. It goes 2-1. Well, New York says not so fast. They tie it up at home 4-1. Both teams um, undefeated on home ice in the series. Carolina only outshoots... The Rangers by three on goal, but they doubled up the amount of faceoff wins and still only scored one point, uh, one goal. 
Adam Fox scored his fourth playoff goal in the first period to go up 2-0. Mika Zabajid got his fifth playoff goal in the second to go up 3-0. And then Andrew Kopp with his fifth playoff goal in the third to go up 4-1. The Rangers cruise to tie up the series and it heads back to Carolina. And the Battle of Alberta, maybe not as close as people expected. Edmonton wins again at home to take a big 3-1 lead. Um, Calgary finally got some goals, but ends up losing five to three, even though they outshot Edmonton by six, had seven more faceoff wins. Um, and, um, I guess they did have more play, uh, penalty minutes, but Evander Kane with his 11th playoff goal in the first period to take a huge 3-0 lead by Edmonton. Zach Hyman pitched in to make it 2-0 with the seventh playoff goal via power play. And it looks like, you know, the, the Edmonton's one win away from finishing the series. Well, Elias Lindholm scores his fifth playoff goal via power play in the second to make it 3-1. Mikel Backlund gets his fourth playoff goal in the second to go 2-3. And then Rasmussen Anderson with his third playoff goal. The game is tied 3-3, headed into the third. Shit gets interesting. But Evander Kane gets his 12th playoff goal via power play. In the third, Edmonton wins 5-3, a backbreaker for the Flames. Today we get Avalanche Blues in Colorado, 3-1, looking to wrap it up. Um, I would expect that to happen, which, you know, Tampa Bay, Avalanche clearly cruising through. We got a tied series, Rangers, uh, Carolina, uh, with Carolina at home on Thursday. And then the Battle of Alberta continues in Calgary. Could Edmonton close them out or can Calgary show some life in the series? So hockey, again, things are coming out of the wire. Um, the first round had some closer matchups in the second. Uh, wild to think that Tampa Bay could sweep Florida, but watch out. That just is a huge statement for the rest of the league. But let's talk some fucking baseball. See, I've gone to three games this far. First year with season tickets. Not every game. I have quite a few games. I have opted out of some. Last night, I could have went to the Athletics-Mariners game. Kyle Lewis is back from um, injury, uh, but I didn't want to. Um, June, I have a ton of games before I go to Montana, including five Angels games in four days with a doubleheader in there. But funny enough, as an Angels fan, the Mariners signed Justin Upton. I was waiting for the day that Justin Upton would get signed. He has too much pop left in that bat. He has too much leadership and veteran experience to not be on a squad. Well, the Mariners are looking for some juice in their lineup. Insert Kyle Lewis. Insert Justin Upton. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out as Mitch Hanniger is recovering. But when we look at the series from the past week, the big teams, what's going on? The Braves beat the Marlins 2-1 in a fun NL East action. The Red Sox sweeped the Mariners. The Mariners on a big skid right now. Uh, Red Sox bats getting hot. Trevor Story's bats getting hot, which is great news if you're a Red Sox fan, as he got signed to a big, big payday. The Padres beat the Giants 2-1. Awesome, awesome you know, divisional battle that that's going to be. The, the Padres are ahead of the Giants right now by quite a bit, four and a half games in the NL West. Uh, but that's huge for the for the Padres to get that win. You know, Tatis still isn't back. The White Sox beat the Yankees 2-1 to one after getting demolished in the weekend series before. So great news for White Sox fans. And then the Dodgers beating the Phillies two series and th uh, their third series in two weeks. They're getting familiar with each other. The Phillies uh, avoided the sweep. The sweep. This weekend, we got some fun series as well. 
You know, if, if you forgot, Apple TV does double headers on Friday, Apple TV Plus, technically. Uh, but when we look around the league, huge AL East matchup, the 30-win Yankees taking on the 25-win Rays in Tampa Bay. In the NL East, the New York Mets, the 29-win uh, win New York Mets hosting the 20-win uh, Philadelphia Phillies in that NL East battle. The Braves and Marlins right back at it this time in Atlanta. The Braves with 20 wins. The Marlins with 18. And the NL blanking NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals 24-win team hosting the 27-win Brewers, the battle of the top two teams in their division. Fun four-game series happening this weekend, Thursday through Sunday. This is an Apple TV Plus game. The Angels hosting the Blue Jays. Vlad Guerrero Jr. taking on the Red Hot Angels. 27-win Angels versus 23-win Blue Jays. And the AL West, not the most top dog matchup, but the, the Mariners hosting the Astros. I'll be at that game on Sunday. Uh, that's a huge series. And then also, well, that's really it. The, the other ones are pretty lopsided. So um, Angels, Blue Jays, Yankees, Rays, Mets, Phillies, Braves, Marlins, massive Brewers Cardinals series as we start getting towards the summer months. People's averages are going up. People's dingers are going up. This is where baseball really gets interesting. And to wrap up episode 84, we'll talk a little bit of NFL. Greg Olson officially going to be a play-by-play -play guy in the Fox booth, but he knows this will be tentative as Tom Brady is going to take his spot once he officially retires which I would assume be at the end of the year. The Browns, of course, bring back Jadavion Clowney, the big-time edge rusher, to their squad on a one-year. The Colts getting some backup um, depth on, in their quarterback room, signing veteran Nick Foles, Big Dick Nick. The Ravens adding another stud to their defense, adding cornerback Kyle Fuller. Um, and then some fun ones. The Cardinals are announced to be the in-season Hard Knocks team this year. The Colts being the first team in that last year, I really enjoyed it. You know, Amazon's All or Nothing did that with the NFL for a couple years, and it was fun seeing the in-season thing versus just the the, the training camp uh, stuff. Um, and the Cardinals have a lot of drama going on this year. DeAndre Hopkins out for a while. Kyler Murray, you know, wanting to get paid. So there's going to be a, a, a there's not going to be a lack of drama in this season, I'm sure. And then Omar Khan, officially the Steelers GM. They've been looking for this and interviewing for this for quite some time. Kevin Colbert, one of the best of the best, finally retiring. Um, Omar Khan has been one of the cap gurus for Pittsburgh for quite some time. I think a lot of Steelers fans expected this. You know, I was rooting for a couple other people to be involved, get some fresh blood into the to the to the squad. But Omar Khan's going to be there, and they signed the Eagles XVP to be kind of an assistant in that, and he's one of the scouting pros. So uh, the Steelers keep stealering. They stick as a family. That's why they're a dynasty. will be interesting to see what happens in Pittsburgh. As a Steelers fan, you can't not be excited. Lots of change coming. And then finally, fuck USC. Now, I just say that because I'm a sour Oklahoma fan. Um, and, uh, Lincoln Riley has, uh, you know, kind of kicked us to the curb. I think that there's a, a lot of things happening in the future, but they get another stud as they sign Jordan Addison, the Blinkoff award for best receiver in college. Um, 
They already stole half of the receiving core from Oklahoma. Um, they got, you know, he got the quarterback that he wanted. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform. I'm sure they have a lot of other holes. Haven't looked at their roster completely, but they're getting a lot of big time names. Um, that, you know, they're treating the the transfer portal like free agency. So they add Jordison Addis Jordan Addison to the Pac-12. Um, definitely going to be a hater against USC for some time. That's just my personal issues. Uh, Colin Cowherd living in LA. He's a pro Trojans. I'm, I'm, I'm against, uh, but regardless, 84 episodes, I cannot believe it out here doing the damn thing. Excited for the future. If you want me to talk something specific topics, specific content, hit me up on social media, you know, comment on the YouTube, uh, you know, when you're streaming, send me a note, whatever it is, you guys have the opportunity to let me talk about what you want me to dive into your team, a, a topic, uh, as I cover majority of the sports, but um, appreciate appreciate the support. Appreciate you guys tuning in around the world. We had some people from South Africa tuning in last week. People all all around the country. That's what keeps me motivated and motivated to uh, you know make this a, a a better thing as I'm barely a year in. Uh, but also thanks to Fueled Supplements, Josh Morn and crew. Um, again, you guys looking to get fine, fit, and and fabulous this summer. Go to fieldsupplements.com. Don't go to the big corporate conglomerates that don't need any more money. Help small business, people helping people. That's what it's all about. Um, but yeah, back into the UFC saddle next weekend. We'll talk and recap playoff action. I'll see you guys next week.